So, um, welcome, Amit. I think um, it's a great pleasure to have you for our first podcast of uh, Weekend. Uh, Weekend is essentially an initiative that we have started to uh, bring in some of the very accomplished entrepreneurs in the education space and share their journey and learning with the wide variety of audience that that are subscribers to Weekend and people in general, right? Uh, I think this is the first edition or the first podcast of Weekend, and it's a pleasure to have you for the show. I think. Uh, for the audience in general, Amit is a very accomplished entrepreneur. Uh, he he was earlier the head of YouTube India, uh, had worked with Google and a lot of and a different FMBG company as well. Uh, Amit is also alumnus of uh, I am Bangalore and Saint Stephen's. Uh, of course, in his latest stint, he's a founder of Okigoki, which is India's first personalized learning app for preschoolers. A very interesting app. I think I myself personally used it for my kid and found it quite intriguing. But I'll, I'll I'll let Amit talk more about it. Uh, so welcome, Amit. I mean, I I I'm, I'm looking forward to a very interesting uh, discussion with you for the next half an hour or so. Sure, same here. Thanks for inviting me and having me. So Amit, let's get started with the story behind Okie Pokey. Right? I mean, first of all, tell me a little more about this word Okie Pokey. Where does it come from? What 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 is Okie Pokey? Sure. Um, so. Uh, <clears throat> Okie pokey actually is rooted in uh, an octopus. So um, we started as a preschool app only. And uh, that was a journey that we had in the first couple of years. Uh, so we were designing on the basic design principles that are required to talk to an average three-year-old. Okay. Right. Now, what you would recall, right? So uh, from your own childhood or otherwise within your family friend circle, that kids relate to a character all the time. So if they are into Mickey Mouse, then their uh, dresses turn into Mickey Mouse. Their towels turn into Mickey Mouse. Their milk mug turns into Mickey Mouse. Uh, at my age, you can be boring, like, <laughs> right? but they will have Mickey Mouse on this mug. Right? Uh, so, so we thought to connect with them, to make an impact, you need to talk through a character. So we designed this uh, fun octopus, hmm. uh, which uh, supposedly came from another planet. Uh, so it's not an octopus in the traditional sense. It's an octopus-like character. Hmm. Uh, and because it's an octopus, we call it Okipoki. Now, we were testing out three or four characters. Uh, there was a Sheru, there was an Aleph, there was a Pikadu. Okay. And uh, Okipoki just in a research rolled off the tongue of kids very easily right. because it's sort of alliterative. It's... it's uh, uh, got only like two, uh, you know, you, you don't have to stress your tongue at a three-year-old Correct. to say okipoki. You don't get into trouble with R's with okipoki because that could easily be an L for a Got kid it. at three. And and that's what started to uh, really work. So so that's the real story. I mean, after we launched, we got a lot of feedback that there's a hokey-pokey song, there's an hokey-pokey <laughs> ice cream. We said, yeah, but we're different. <laughs> No, very interesting, I think. And I, I completely uh, agree to the point that the character kind of builds uh, an element of uh, of uniqueness to a, you know, to a product, right? And I also kind of see my seven-year-old now, like you were saying, is everything is Harry Potter, right? From his t-shirts to his trousers <laughs> to his uh, coffee mug, everything is, is Harry Potter. So I think there is a phase which, which keeps coming. So yeah, interesting. So that's that's great. Um, but what inspired you to start this? I mean, I, I now understand the story behind Okie Pokey, but tell me a little more about the product. What inspired you to start this product? Sure. Uh, 
Um, see, when I was at Google, I saw that, you know, uh, with the advent of smartphones, um, the demographic of kids and in general across age groups was moving to internet in a crazy way in a country like India. I come from a very humble background. So my parents uh, were village folk people. Uh, they never had a chance to do proper schooling. So they were very ambitious when it came to us. And um, they encouraged the hell out of us. So I went, ended up going all the way to, like you said earlier, I am Bangalore, St. Stephen's alumni. Um, it's all sheer encouragement because there was no guidance at home. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was seeing this evolution of uh, internet uh, during the early years, I, I've, I've sort of been around forever. I'm like a dinosaur here. Mm-hmm. Uh, started working full-time in the internet industry in 2007 um, when barely anybody in my family knew how to use email. There were very, very few people. So, um, so one of the things I was driving at YouTube was EdTech, uh, educational content across APAC. And I realized there was a serious momentum. Now, uh, I was inspired to solve something for uh, people like me, right? When I look around the childhood I had, how can I build a tool that, that helps parents? So we started looking around as to skills that really matter. And uh, if you look at communication skills are right up there of things that make an impact. You take the survey of an average person who's working in the industry for two to five years. They're like, I wish I could communicate. I could present well. I could communicate better. I could negotiate better. I could present myself better. It all boils down to the fundamentals of language. Mm-hmm. Now, language is best built in the early childhood. Mm-hmm. So we came up with this whole thesis around, you know, early childhood is, is the time to fix language. And and that's where we started our journey. So we used AI or algorithms uh, using speech recognition. We can teach the child uh, through OkiPoki app in their mother tongue. And that got really great feedback, right? Right now, uh, we have, I think, 4.7, sometimes 4.6, sometimes 4.8 on the Play Store. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, about 2 million downloads. Mm-hmm. Um, then carrying on this theme, when, when COVID started, uh, and I'm sure you'll have more conversations around that. Yeah, but yeah. but we extended and we added to the content type mm-hmm. beyond just skills that matter as far as language was concerned, and we added more. Yeah. So uh, even that product line hold took off. Mm-hmm. So so it's been a, a great journey uh, to make an impact mm-hmm. uh, across these users, these little champions I like to call them, uh, teaching them millions and millions of words every week uh, on the app. And uh, very gratifying to say that. No, I think I think I think rightly mentioned that language skills are the core to it. And if you go and talk to uh, every parent of a young kid, I think their biggest thing is that can I child can my child speak properly in English, right? And I think that that need uh, it can be can be solved in a scalable manner. Definitely, there is there is a significant market for that. Right? Um, just just kind of taking a step back, and you mentioned that. The idea somewhere germinated when you were when you were with YouTube, right? And building this educational content and stuff. Uh, one of the biggest challenge or one of the biggest question that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have who are working on the on the content side is, is the question that they get that there is a lot of free content which is already available for the kind of product that you're building, right? Uh, and and now you're building a, a product which possibly has a little bit of bells and whistles around it. But can you actually charge for something like that if there is already a lot of free content available? How do you respond to something like that? See, money always follows. Uh, money always follows a great product, great engagement curve and all that. So charging has not been a problem. 
there are enough and more models around out there right from google adwords model to adsense model to uh, an uber model pay as you go model to the netflix subscription economy mm. you don't really need to invent a revenue model most of the time mm. in our case we didn't to be honest mm. uh, but uh, we are on a very solid revenue curve uh, today we are at uh, on a trajectory Uh, where we have already crossed like hundred thousand dollars of annual revenue wow. run rate, mm-hmm. probably closing in on a million by end of this financial year, wow. and uh, uh, just some insane momentum, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's not a problem. Now, mm-hmm. why is this easy? We were mm-hmm. pre-revenue till about three or four months back. Correct. And I remember our last conversation, and you mentioned that you are doing experimentation around monetization. So, so yeah, it was not it was not way back. It was just three months. Exactly. So in June beginning, anybody who spoke to me, I said like, sorry, zero revenue. <laughs> and come to October, we're talking about like we already did like hundred k. Um, we crossed that by a significant mile, actually. And uh, <clears throat> the reason why we are able to do that is because you believe in fundamentals. Mm. Um, so, so where I see, uh, if this is towards startup founders, then uh, if they're going to listen to this, then then my message is very simple: build something really awesome. uh data tells you the story users tell you the story um i'll give you a couple of anecdotes from our own journey um when we launched our first prototype uh we actually got trending as top 5 um on play store and we used to have an ios app at that time mm-hmm. so yeah, even there we got featured as one of the most trending uh, apps now uh, we done a good job but when our numbers were climbing our ratings were pretty decent 4.5 even at that time uh but I, when i was talking to my users and this is what i tell all founders and product guys that talk to your users every single day mm-hmm. and you will make lesser mistakes so so i used to ask one simple question like what do you like about my app that you can't find anywhere else mm-hmm. because otherwise you're using it today because you're curious and tomorrow you'll go and they were not able to justify that and uh, lo and behold we killed that one because okay. uh, it was great and awesome while it lasted that euphoria of you know we're top 5 this top 5 that great ratings mm. but i think you need to have sincerity in your own heart mm. if you don't believe they're hearing the right music in your data mm. uh, then just be honest to yourself mm. so we moved mm. and uh, uh, when you talk about like lots of free content out there there's actually not enough good content out there mm. um, i mean if there was Uh, guess where we would be as a economy right if you look mm-hmm. at india 94% of the graduates in this country are not industry ready right. 94 so all the online offline school college mm-hmm. edtech ecosystem is good enough for 6% yeah mm-hmm. there's a huge opportunity right mm-hmm. so so enough has not been done mm-hmm. now uh, the reason why we became quick market leaders is because we followed the basics mm-hmm. uh which is the app that teaches english to a preschooler in an interactive manner that also uses a language that a preschooler can understand which is their mother tongue uh till date now we launched that uh, almost a year and a half ago and which is what makes that's a market leader it's like simple economics mm-hmm. right so if you find a gap in an audience that is big enough is already trying to use internet uh, you don't have to work very hard in fact our user acquisition is very simple it's very cheap also therefore so so if somebody cares about cac and those ratios it's very simple to find those gaps 
Mm. Now, obviously, you need to have a vision around your audience that this is a big enough problem worth solving. Mm. We did. And, you know, despite having frugal budgets, we're like 2 million users now. No, that's great. I think I think what your guys have done is phenomenal. And I think uh, right from the need, the way the product is being kind of turned out, uh, putting together the vernacular support around this is it's quite amazing, right? And I think, as you rightly mentioned, that if you solve a real need, uh, money will flow. You don't need to worry about that. I mean, there will be mechanisms with that. Great. I think that, that, that's quite good. Now, that piece which uh, a lot of startup founders ask us is essentially around fundraise, right? I mean, yeah, one part is, one. all of it is all about money, right? One side is the revenue, another side is the fundraise part, and end of it is about money. Uh, thankfully, the sector has been, has, has, has got a lot of momentum in the last six months. Uh, you yourself has raised, uh, have raised a decent amount of money from lead angels recently, right? How has that journey been so far? I mean, how, what's your advice to, to startup founders about, about fundraise process? How should they prepare about it? Uh, what should they consider? What are the pitfalls? Just, just tell us about your experience. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll mix it up with two sets of experiences. Uh, I used to advise startups at India Goes Global where we created like $250 million worth of impact before Okipoki. After Google and before Okipoki. So in that journey, I met almost three to 4,000 founders, sat one-to-one, uh, uh, ripped apart their decks, uh, and, and I helped them out on the way to creating a $250 million worth of impact. Um, and obviously, Okipoki uh, own journey. Um, so um, I think uh, a lot of people read this media hype and, and they think external funding is easy. Um, now it's not any easier than finding a great co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, uh, any easier than figuring out your MVP that works, right? Um, when you start with an idea from an idea to MVP, you evolve a lot. So, uh, so what I typically tell founders that come to me for advice is I think you should, first of all, give due justice to it. Uh, if there are three co-founders, one person should just be chasing the fundraise part, mm-hmm. Now, if you can get away with customer revenue and bootstrap the early phase or through your own saving, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's always easier to go with stronger numbers uh, than to just go much earlier stage, right? It, it plays to your strengths. You dilute less or okay. you get better valuations, you get more money for the same progress that you would have made otherwise. Right. And, and if you have a smaller team, right? So sometimes it's also a big distraction. Uh, so, so my mentor always taught me that, you know, uh, balancing revenue slash fundraise, figuring out your product, figuring out your hiring are three full-time jobs that any founding team has to do. Mm-hmm. So, so you're literally saving one third of the work for later stage if you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people go over ambitious on that. They think that, yeah, they've got a great idea and people will be jumping with money bags. Mm-hmm. That rarely happens. Mm-hmm. I think once in a while there'll be exceptions, but I think uh, um, if, if you're like putting your career, if you're putting your couple of years on the line for an idea, I would not bet on luck mm-hmm. uh, that you got the tailwind like this with it. Mm-hmm. Now, COVID has only uh, elevated the tailwind on uh, EdTech. Right. But honestly, EdTech has been very hard for previous mm-hmm. 12 months also. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not been. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's an additional tailwind by far, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think what has been made easier is mm-hmm. not the funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has been made definitely easier is go to market. Because parents are more anxious about kids being at home, schools, colleges not functioning, and this continuing insecurity around distancing, 
when is it safe for my child to actually go out even though uh, some schools and colleges will begin to open i doubt whether you know parents are ready to send their little ones right. uh, into that unsafe zone uh, when when data reaches the point that it has reached in india mm-hmm. uh, almost everybody already has a second or a third degree connection who suffered who's lost somebody and it's not like funny mm-hmm. so so when it comes to risking your own lives i think people are playing safer mm-hmm. in at least the major industrial centers like the top cities mm-hmm. um my guess is it will be less uh, scary for let's say a tier 4 uh, sort of a city or or lesser maybe villages mm-hmm. but it's very pronounced okay. in uh, delhi bombay bangalore pune chennai hyderabad of this world people are genuinely worried yeah. uh, because this thing can come in and anybody's got a pre existing disease can just sweep out the whole family yeah. uh now that's why people can't go out and that's why edtech has an additional tailwind um so that's one like go on strength to uh, don't assume the money raising part is easy um uh, dedicate enough bandwidth to do that now uh, when you're saying dedicated enough bandwidth so first of all do you believe in your own product and your story uh build out a great collateral because eventually it's about communicating that story the the better job you do of that the easier your fundraise gets uh third is most investors will not say yes to you in first meeting right uh assume that like 100% of the time the balance is an aberration mm. right so what smart investors will do is they will set up a second meeting a month later so that they can also say what happened in the meantime mm. right sure. and uh, sure. if you're really on a rocket ship like yeah. you were pitching the first time your progress should support that and most founders forget that sometimes mm-hmm. they get over invested in one direction or the other mm-hmm. uh, just to remind like you need to keep making progress mm-hmm. with your users and your team mm-hmm. um now if that's not happening you're putting odds against yourself mm-hmm. now it may not literally happen as a straight line month on month but some of these conversations will go into the bigger the ticket size they will go into months correct so over a quarter are you moving in the right direction so don't lose focus on building your business mm-hmm. remember you're not building those numbers only for fundraise yeah. but i'm saying it'll actually make your life easy yeah. if your product has begun to work um the the earlier the product the more the story is required the more the ideation is required the later the product your momentum your metrics do the job for you so um and if you're uncomfortable pitching like just launch uh there there's no i mean uh, we used to run this pitch academy for ex google founders okay. uh and uh, um the last one was just pre covid this year in bangalore mm-hmm. and a uh, couple of those startups already raised their money now what we tell founders is like don't walk in underprepared mm-hmm. uh, just know that you know you don't do this for a living since your childhood mm-hmm. so so to pitch to fundraise i think it's better if you rehearse mm-hmm. and it might be a small thing for first time fundraisers mm-hmm. it might be an obvious thing for a, mm-hmm. somebody who's a serial entrepreneur has mm-hmm. raised money before but for first timers it's a no brainer you have mm-hmm. to have to practice mm-hmm. and uh, till the time you get it try right? till the time it's simple enough can you explain it to a five year old mm-hmm. can it pass through that test mm-hmm. uh, can you simplify your messaging for the elevator pitch mm-hmm. test mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. those things matter mm-hmm. um anything more i think this is this is quite insightful amit uh, i think right from keeping the fundamentals uh, in place right make sure the product is right make sure that you are seeing the traction getting the collateral right being prepared about it i think that's really what the core is i think very 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 aptly put i think i think you were also given me a segue to my next question which was you mentioned that there is 
this entire tailwind on adoption, which has brought by COVID, right? And I think in a space like Pokey Pokies, right, where preschools are completely shut right now, right? Learning has stopped to a great extent in that particular age group. Uh, an app like yours is a savior for parents because they can learning can continue. How have you seen this period for Pokey Pokey? What has happened? What kind of changes you have brought in? What kind of traction have you seen? Uh, I also see that you've launched some new initiatives like live classes, et cetera. Tell us more about that. Right. Um, so when you were speaking, like uh, just around COVID had started, we said like there's a huge tailwind. This is prompting us to experiment with revenue earlier than what we would had. Um, when COVID started, we were already more than 100K monthly active users. Um, huge engagement. I think about seven, eight million words being learned every month and growing like crazy uh this just took uh sorry it was i think lesser about two million words mm-hmm. at that time and it has now crossed like about eight to ten million words um so so we saw an insane amount of uh momentum um i think almost all at tech startups that were early stage reported uh who had a good product they sort of reported that they were facing performance issues uh our code crashed we had to do an emergency release in March itself to get that going. I think the whole stabilization happened through to the end of April. Um, <clears throat> there were negative stuff that also happened, right? So our, we were raising a big round, um, which fell through. Uh, we actually went into crisis mode um, and, and had to scale back some of the operations. We also had to, we also realized that you need to respond to this opportunity in the ecosystem. So one of the favorite ideas I always had was to monetize through live classes, which is what our users was telling us that uh, there was a huge propensity to pay for live classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that came from a trusted source like Okipoki, right? They were already using my app. And uh, uh, we quickly went back to drawing board and, and launched something in June. Uh, so so that's, that's what has happened. Uh, our engagement has grown close, close to like 8 to 10 million in a month of words learned more than 250k monthly active users now mm-hmm. um this this yes. revenue product so we we brought our quality obsession to it we figured out again the gaps uh the trick is always in finding gaps that are looking are you, oh, i'm hoping you're not teaching coding to kids and making them uh, start i'm up not on i'm not uh i wish i could figure out how to do that i haven't uh but but what you'll realize is there are skills that really matter which school system does a less uh great job off than some of the other skills that it does a better job off. Um, so one of the things I, I've always been very passionate about to create a better future for this country, uh, our students need to leverage their creativity, imagination, and uh, a lot of naysayers go and say that schools kill creativity and imagination. Uh, so there are courses around that. Now, uh, if, if this is a country that is driven by engineering and coding mania, now, one of the precursors for a lot of streams, not just engineering and maths, is uh, reasoning capability, mm-hmm. right? Uh, your your uh, mental agility sometimes matters a lot more. So so we found out uh, some things about Rubik's Cube solving mm-hmm. that, that promotes this. We curated some uh, culturally curated courses around drawing and painting about arts mm-hmm. that have been prevalent in various parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Now, positive side effects, uh, arts will always help you manage your anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. Rubik's Cube will make an insane impact to your agility and your motor skills. Now, so we just started with that, right? We curated great faculty and uh, that started. We obviously launched 
live classes for spoken English, which was a big gap, which is the space we were in. The parents were already asking for. So, so we curated around these three themes and started running some revenue experiments. And uh, by the time it was first month over, we were like, hey, we already are at a decent revenue run rate. What is going on? Mm-hmm. What have we got right? Is it just the fact that parents will try out anything right now? Mm-hmm. Or are they also coming back? Mm-hmm. Then we realized not only they were coming back, but they were also referring users to us. Uh, uh, I, I'm like grateful to these people because we had no collateral. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still not uh, proud of our landing page optimization. There's that. It's still work in progress. Uh, but I think our obsession around delivering great learning experience sort of saved the day for us. Mm-hmm. Because almost every parent comes back and tells us nobody grips us this great quality for a throwaway <coughs> price that you do mm-hmm. and we are like we're just insanely obsessed about the middle class mm-hmm. uh, we could have easily designed it for the elite but we are not inspired to do that I'm sorry mm-hmm. um, I know uh, uh, Rakesh you're well off and there are other people who are listening to this who might be better off mm-hmm. but uh, uh, we are not inspired to solve problems in your house. We're inspired mm. for the middle class. That's where I came from. I want uh, moms like mine, dads mm. like mine, to feel empowered by the tools that we bring to the table. So not only their communication skills grow up tomorrow when they are ready to take on the world with the harder subjects that require reasoning, that require drawing, painting, anxiety management issues crop up in teenage, stress management. Uh, our, our courses are like self-equipping. And... Uh, we make uh, almost already about 25% of monthly revenue from repeats and referrals. So it's a small base, to be very honest. And I'm like, that's good validation. Uh, I wish it was smaller. So that also means that we are, you know, acquiring faster inorganically. But I'm actually okay with this validation. Uh, In like, literally in 100 days, we've crossed uh, $100,000 of annual revenue. And... uh, so, so that's, that's been an insane momentum. I think as we look around, um, uh, we, we are being actually asked to contribute in more ways than one. Uh, so in Rubik's Cube, for example, the current national gold medalist, uh, he's working with us. Uh, there's a WCA, which is the World Cubing Association. Uh, they're working with us. One of the courses we're going to launch uh, again uh, on mental maths. Uh, there is somebody who's a Guinness Book record holder who's uh, working with us. Um, some of the faculty who's trained gates across 10 plus countries on some of these creative courses, right? Across Europe, Asia, Australia, uh, they are choosing to work with us uh, because I always tell them that, hey, you know, we'll eventually give great ROI. But I think what we promise from day one is that you'll feel very gratified as a uh, teacher. Uh, so our teachers, stakeholders, partners, they've really enjoyed this journey with us so far. And and we hope to step up the game further. Uh, quite inspiring, again. I think what you're doing, the kind of programs that you're doing, and the audience that you're targeting for, obviously, is a completely underserved market right now. Right? Um, one of the or few of the cynics, uh, Amit, right, uh, have this view that well, COVID is there. Kids have a lot of time on their hands. School is not there, and possibly that's driving the momentum around a lot of the tech startups which are there right now. Once the vaccine is out, schools, we go back to whatever the new normal is, right? And kids start going back to school. Uh, there'll be a significant uh, drop in enrollments and engagement levels for most of these startups. What's your take on that? Sure. I think um, 
I go back to what I said earlier. EdTech has had this momentum for at least two more years. Mm. Now, there's a reason for this. Remember the 94% stat that I gave you? Uh, parents are really hungry. Not just my own parents, but everybody's parents, uh, especially in middle class. They see education as the ticket to future prosperity for the family. Uh, there's a direct impact. Right? And, and that matters a lot. So when geo happened, it lowered the cost of data. When uh, this whole demonetization happened and digitalization of monetization options happened, people had the capability to buy more. Mm. So that prompted the whole momentum to take off. Out of that, uh, pre-COVID, uh, there were so many Sony coins, which have now become already a unicorn or almost there. Uh, I mean, Baiju's is much talked about, but there's also an upgrade. There's also an uh, Unacademy, also a Vedantu. They're doing like phenomenally well and there probably a dozen more, right? I'm sure you track it, yeah. uh, all the top players more. Um, that's, that's your obsession area, <laughs> minus my users. Uh, but, but all those guys, they were already rising stars before this happened. Yeah. Uh, Topper, for example, right? So, so they're doing, they're seeing insane moment. Uh, now, they're seeing this for the last two years. Why? Because fundamentally, data went cheap and digital money became easier for people to use, right? Uh, this country, 94% parents were never happy. They knew it, that their current options are not training the child for a better mm-hmm. future. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so easy uh, once you have a good enough product to attract users. Now, post-COVID, I think uh, uh, I wouldn't take names, but a couple of people are just encashing as a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. They're not adding enough value to their product, their processes, uh, the learning impact. In an tech startup, if you take education out, uh, you just build a slick marketing machine. You can go only so far, right? Uh, Now, that may not be bad if you're building some assets as a founder along the journey. Uh, Maybe your team is your asset. Maybe you're building some IP. And even if you did not fully get the experience right, uh, there will be a market for M&A that will get created out of this. Uh, will it become harder uh, for a new entrant post-COVID? Um, yeah, but just like another market, no. Uh, mm-hmm. This country is not going 100% uh, on industry readiness with our mm-hmm. graduates in a hurry, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you put together all ed tech startups, including Baiju's, mm-hmm. what percentage of Indian population are our users? Mm-hmm. Very right. small. I mean, Meaningless, not... right? Yeah. Yeah. Last I heard, it was less than 1%, mm-hmm. right? All put together. So, there's miles to go. I think uh, even Baiju can just double down, figure out a product strategy mm-hmm. and grow 10 times just in India. Now, uh, maybe not with the current port- portfolio of products, maybe they're thinking differently. But uh, they've shown the way that if you get some magic right, it happens. Now, if that is what uh, you are passionate about as an entrepreneur, it will work for you. But make sure you're getting your learning experience right. Parents, don't forget. What we have learned over the years is your happy users will always be your champions. They'll always be your cheerleaders. They'll always give you more business. They will give you ideas. Almost everything, right? Remember I told you I shut down my first product. That's right. uh, almost everything that we've improved came from our users. Mm-hmm. So at Google, that was the, one of the first principles I learned. Focus on the user and everything else will follow. Mm-hmm. In this case, if the user is learning, you are providing a quality option you will never have a dearth of business. No matter COVID, no COVID. Even if it never happened, you were still able to build a unicorn out of Baiju's. Now it's just one decacon. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Don't forget they were a unicorn already, right? So, so they got some magic right mm-hmm. out of the supply chain of learning impact. No, great. I think it's a very valid point. I think, and and the point that you mentioned regarding essentially the learning part uh, is critical to the entire tech space. And I think we were discussing just internally in our team that there is a reason behind ed coming before tech in a tech company. Right? That the focus has to be on ed. I mean, startups and education startups have to focus on the education part of it, which is the learning outcome. Which is the I'll deliver. give you a more geeky answer to that one, right? So yeah. you, your data tells you a story. Hmm. So are your users coming back? Sure. COVID or no COVID, if you build a bad product, they won't come back. Right. Uh, versus a lock-in for two years strategy, <laughs> right? Um, for early stage startup, I always tell them, you know, you start with one month, just start with hmm. one day back. Start with a free trial, whatever, mm-hmm. because you want to be standing on your own merit, okay. not on the benefit of your just sales skills. Okay. I think they're extremely important when you're scaling, okay. that you do a great job of your sales skills. Okay. But if you start starting with sales skills and not the product first, you will struggle. Uh, so always never put a cart before the horse, right? Build a great product and let it fly. Uh, it's easier to acquire a user when you're selling a one-day pack, let's say, mm-hmm. hypothetically, right? The Chota, Coke, Choda Pepsi, the sachet. sachet, right? So start with the smallest trials because that makes your adoption curve easy. If your product is good enough, there will be a percentage of people that will renew. But more important, look at how many people do come back to you after they paid once. If that's a good enough number, feel proud. I mean, no matter what the economy, there will be a market. Fair point. I think that's the nail on the head. Great. I think this was quite insightful, uh, Amit. I think thanks for taking out time and sharing some of the news with us. Uh, I think your experience, your background, your 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 experience of working with uh, multiple startups, two thousand odd startups, is what you mentioned when your India goes global uh, setup that you're working with. Obviously, with Google, YouTube, and then finally making such an amazing product out of OpenBook Leaps is is quite stellar. And I think. This, the story that you have shared with us will definitely be useful for, for our audience. Any parting thoughts for the rest of it? Yeah, so if you're a founder who's listening to this, uh, I think I've said it in different ways, but um, I was talking to somebody and, and I made the statement that India is such an underserved market on tech across the supply chain. There's a space for at least 50 more unicorns. Mm-hmm. Okay, forget what the analysts and investors are telling you, right? Just go around, talk to your users. And you know that if you do one good job of just selling a great, uh, let me go far away from Oki Poki, um, of a maths product for class two, you can build a unicorn out of that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because in class two, maths parents who are struggling is more than 20 million in number. So this is the time when people are anxious and therefore they're sampling this is the cheapest your marketing will get because parents are just open to trying almost everything. That doesn't mean they'll continue to pay for things that are not good quality. Mm. But if you are obsessed, get that experience right. Uh, India needs people like you to step up. Uh, we need a better education quality for our future generations. And if somebody can do it, it's you. Thanks for all this inspiring word from it. I think definitely, I mean, you were reading some reports and uh, what it kind of showed us that out of the more than 250 million kids who are in the K-12 space itself, the current edtech uh, startups which are catering uh, are catering to the top less than 5% of the crowd, right? 
the remaining 95% is completely unserved right now. I mean, there have been there have been there have been people who've been trying to do that, but there's a huge need for that, and that's some that's a segment which essentially uh, requires this more than anybody else. And I think there is a huge opportunity for people to go out and capitalize in some of those segments. And I think what you have done with OPPOKI, kind of build a product for that market and that price point, is is definitely a way for people to look at and see if they can if they can build something. So thanks again for your time, uh, Amit. This was this was, it was great having you for our first first podcast. I think we will 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 continue to kind of bring you and get more insight from you to share with our audience. But thanks again for your time. Thanks for inviting me, and and keep doing more innovative stuff for the tech space. Thank uh, you. You know that people need more of you. Thank you, thank you. I mean, we'll always decide delighted to help out the ecosystem in the manner that we do. So we'll be we'll we'll be at it and we'll be supporting entrepreneurs like you in their journey to create the unique concept the country needs right now. Thank you. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye.